Friends, you got a little silver, got a little gold. What did you bring me, my dear friends, to keep me from the devil's pole? Couldn't bring no silver, couldn't bring no gold. Brother, did you bring a little silver? Did you bring a little gold? Why did you bring me my brother to keep me from the gallows pole? Well, I bought you a little silver. I bought you a little gold. I implore you, take him by the hand, take him to some shady bower and save me from the wrath of this man. Please take him, save me from the wrath of this man. Warm my soul. Now I laugh, I 
swings so hard She's swinging on the gallows There you go, that's my version of uh, Gallows Pole by Led Zeppelin. Obviously a bit more laid back than this. Kind of came up with that this afternoon, just fiddling around on the guitar. It's one of my favourite songs to play and I was just mucking around with it and started doing something a bit different and that came out and I thought, whoa, why not? Why not stick that on the old uh, podcast? I haven't done a song for a while. And this is episode 139 of the Pushing Rubber podcast. 139. That's a fair bit of talking, isn't it? And uh, you're tuning in. Uh, I'm not sure when I'm going to put this up, but it's uh, Sunday afternoon here in uh, the Netherlands in the city of Leiden. The buds of spring, the green buds of spring are starting to burst through the trees all around me as I'm looking out my window over the water here in front of my little windmill in which I live. A very cliched existence for me over here. Uh, It's the end of an interesting week. I would say it's the end of one of the more interesting weeks in my life considering the greater circumstances and things that are happening to us right now. It's, uh, and to all of us, it's definitely um, interesting times, as they say. I, uh, my fridge is freezer. Everything is definitely stocked. Um, I have alcohol, I have tobacco, I have food. Um, I've even got, went out and bought some vitamins, and I never take vitamins. Um, still going to work, though, because our country's not in lockdown france is in lockdown denmark's in lockdown holland still goes ahead blissfully who knows i think by the end of the week we might be in lockdown too i can use that time to do a bit of work on my book the great one at cynical libertarian society gave me a bit of shit this weekend for not finishing my third book like he's got any books out but truth be told, the thing is, is that uh, the writing on the website on the old blog takes it out of me as regards to uh, energy that I have to be able to work on the book. Um, let me put it this way. So the hot chicks and links, that takes time. Um, a bunch of you, by the way, were disparaging one of the, the chicks, saying she was a doll. She's actually a Serbian girl. 
Um, who I know obliquely. Yeah, she actually looks exactly like that. So I don't know what you mugs are talking about. Uh, the Friday Hot Chicks and Links takes time, you know, during the week to get everything together, you know, what I think is, well, what has interests me and what I think will interest you. A lot of the stuff that interests me I don't put up there because I think, ah, this isn't going to go so well. Uh, and then, of course, I have to find the hot chicks as well, and that takes a bit of time, a bit of effort, because if I get that wrong, fucking hell, do you lot let me know about it. Of course, I try to have the best quality hot chicks on this side of the interwebs as I can. I think really only... Uh, Daily Time Waster um, site is even. I think we're pretty pretty level on the the girls that he he puts up. Everyone else is running in a distant last. Um, that takes time. The podcast uh, only takes me the time it takes to record it. To be honest with you, I don't really do that much um, prior preparation for the podcast. I'm pretty good at just rattling things off and getting them going, but. Uh, during the week, I'll put up two or three articles. Um, for instance, I had one up this week called This Is Our Own Dark Age. That takes a lot of effort. So let me tell you how I wrote that. First of all, I saw a, a post over at uh, Bore Patch that I linked to on that article. Uh, and that got me thinking. And what I do is I, I let this stuff stew in the back of my head as I go around and do all my stuff you know, during the working week. Um, and then a couple of days later, I saw uh, a picture from the Daily Time Waster, which was the, uh, I think it was a Danish uh, goldsmith's um, uh, brooch from the 10th century. That uh, And that kind of clicked it for me. And then I thought about it a bit more. And then I came out with the article, which took me about half an hour to write physically, but it had actually taken me a couple of days to get it worked out in my head. By the time that I sit down to physically write the article, it's already uh, formulated and you know fermented in my brain. Um, that takes a lot of energy. And I try to give you guys at least two and hopefully three of those per week. Um, but the energy that I put into those is energy that I'm not putting into my next book. And it's a kind of catch-22 situation here. Because the the website and, and, the, and the posts and the articles that I put up are very important so as to be able to continue selling my books and growing my audience, which both things are happening. But it takes time away from getting out my third book. So maybe I'm going to have to go to three posts a week so I can concentrate on the book. Um, the Hot Chicks and Links, the podcast, and then one article per week, which I'll probably then put out on, say, a, if the hot links come out on the Friday, sometimes Saturday, depending on how my day goes, the podcast comes out on the Sunday slash Monday, well, then the article for that week will come out on the Tuesday slash Wednesday. And then the remaining time I can devote to the third book. Uh, maybe that's the way I need to go. Um, so maybe the great one had a point, but I'll never admit that. Go get fucked, great one. Um, I don't know. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think in the comments. Um, 
I'm not sure how much quicker this will go towards getting the next book out because I'm struggling with it because I feel a weight of responsibility to get it right. When I put my first two books out, I was just, uh, I had a theme for each book. The first one was how to become a man. The second one was how to, how to be a, a man who can lead. And within that, I, I did the context of my own experiences. So there was nothing to really lose on that one, those, those two books. And they both came out very well, uh, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, this book that I'm working on, of course, which is titled How to Be a Man in a Feminized World, and which I've been working on for about three years now, on and off, uh, it's been like one step forward, five step back in a lot of ways, especially with the personal situation issues that have happened to me, which as regards the book, as regards as how the book go, will go, it, are good. Um, I think um, the divorce that I went through um, is uh, is definitely a plus as regards to this next book because it will definitely help the content. And the content is designed to be accurate and helpful for the people, the men who read it insofar as much as how they implement it then in their own lives. I don't... I don't change anyone's life. You all change your own lives. You all all make your own decisions, your own choices. Um, I just I just put stuff out there. But I, like I said, I feel the pressure to get this really, really right. I'm also really trying to make the language as simple as I possibly can. There can't be any pontificating on this. I'm trying to keep it at around sixty thousand words, whereas my 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 two previous books were probably clocked in around ninety. Uh, a lot of uh, non-fiction works like this will clock in heavier, but I want to keep this pretty sparse. Uh, one of the books that I really liked in that regard was uh, Rich Dad, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think that was only about 40,000, 45,000 words from memory correctly. He, he really kept it to the bare bones, and that's what I want to do on this as well. I think my first... But I also want to make the language as attractive as beautiful as I can. So look, I'm, I'm trying to do a lot of stuff with this here. And then there's a huge amount of material for me to get through and to pair it back as to what is applicable and how it needs to be written. And there's this, there's this trap that writers can fall into. I think Rollo's been falling into it over the last year or so. Uh, the articles that he puts up have become extremely wordy. His books are extremely wordy. Uh, there's fantastic information in them, but... It just takes so long for him to paint the picture, and and I want to I want to really really bring it down to the basics in that regard. So um, so yeah, um, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll just do the one article a week, the links and the podcast. You guys, let me know what you think on that, um, and then we can go from there. Um, so three a week will take me down to about 12 posts a week and I normally sit average around 20, sorry, 12 posts a month. I normally average around 20 uh, and can go somewhat higher than that. I think my best ever month was about 36 or something. So this is really reducing my output a lot, but the book's not getting done. So, you know, maybe there's a point. Let me know. Let me know in the comments. 
um, what uh, what you think on that regard. Um, I had an interesting conversation. Well, it wasn't even a conversation. It was more of a more of a you know an off the cuff throwaway this week at work. Some of the the ladies that work uh, that I work with, I, I get on very well with them. Cause I'm a personal kind of guy. Uh, we do a bit of banter, a bit of back and forth there in the in the admin office, and uh, um, we got something was I don't know what the context was, but it was like uh, your next relationship, and I and I said something to the line of, "Well, you know, my next relationship, she's definitely not good." Oh, that's right. We were there was they were going to hire this girl. I think she was twenty three. Gorgeous. She was absolutely gorgeous. Um. And they didn't end up hiring her because she didn't. Well, she said we wanted to hire her, but she didn't take the job uh, because uh, she had uh, bigger, bigger dreams, bigger plans. You know, she wanted to go higher, faster. And uh, we were talking about that. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, and I wouldn't have been interested in her anyway because." After my last relationship with my ex-wife, who had an MBA and did the full management consultant um, career arc and all the rest of it, the thing that I've learned from that, and one of the things that will be in the book is that you avoid like the plague any woman who wants a career, like the plague. And then one of the girls, one of the women that I work with, I think she's in her mid to late 20s, good girl. Uh, she comes out with, she looks at me straight in the face and she says, well, you know, it's a, it's a pretty well-known fact that uh, women with careers will burn up their first husband and it's the second husband that they take who's a lucky one. Uh, and I kind of looked at her and I was like, well, thanks a lot for that. We all had a good laugh. But as I walked away, I was like, damn. Damn if that ain't the case. Damn if that arrow did not hit its mark. Really is the case. Really, really, really is the case, that is. So you can't win with a career woman. If you're with, if you're with her from the start, she's going to burn you on the way to her career. Because just the whole hypergamy and how chicks work thing. Not you personally, it's just how their brains go. But then if you come in as the second husband, you've got her at the end times. I mean, okay, so the next guy who's got my ex-wife, I don't know, I'm not, I haven't kept track of things. The last thing I want to do is find out what she's doing. Oh, she's 40, turning 41 in a few months. I have fun with that. I had her for the glory years. It's just, there's no point. There's no point in going for a career woman. So... Um, that was a little interesting aside that was there. I, uh, on the Hot Chicks and Links this week, I linked to the Christianity and Masculinity blog, Deep Strength. Um, I like this guy. I think he writes really well. Um, all the religious, even the religious stuff aside, you know, and so a lot of you don't do the religious thing, and I dig that. Um, but he uh, 
he put an article up that I linked to on Friday called Prioritizing Intentions and the Process Versus Results. Uh, and I want to talk about this because the reason that I put it up is because I identified with it. So I'll just read the first couple of paragraphs here. Uh, to summarize the past few posts, a husband is most effective and godly when he doesn't fear his wife. His priority should always be fearing God by trying to do the right thing. A husband that fears his wife or fears what she might think or fears divorce, which is all the same thing. In other words, if, if you're, and this is just me paraphrasing now, if you're walking around on tenterhooks around it, if you're worried about what her reaction will be, if you're second-guessing your actions, your behavior, your responses based on how she's going to interpret them or how she's going to respond, that means that you fear your wife. Uh, a husband who fears his wife will start to change his actions based on what she might think, which leads him down the road of capitulation and attempting to make her happy, which is, uh, and I'm paraphrasing again, a no-arrival, a zero-sum game. He becomes a yes to your man, which can often lead to divorce. One of the classic distinctions is in the intentions and the processes. Uh, too often men will think, oh, I got to start working out because I want to be attractive for my wife. Not understanding that while this is true, the very intention of prioritizing what she thinks makes it much easier to fall into the frame of mind to make her happy, in other words, in her frame, and change your de desires to suit hers. For instance, if she's not coming around for submission or sex, it can lead me to think that if only I became more attractive, then she'll come around. And this is one of the traps of conventional red pill thought that often rears its ugly head. Uh, RP tries to get around this by saying, do it for yourself, but that only goes so far because most men are never really doing it for themselves, at least not initially. So that, that's just the first uh, couple of paragraphs there. It's well worth checking out. You can, you can find it on the, the, the Friday Hot Chicks and Links on my blog from this week. Um, and the, the reason that I identified what it was because it was true for me. So uh, when my ex-wife and I got together, we were really in my frame in Italy, in northern Italy. Um, she gave up everything, not that she had much because she quit a job to take a temporary job in Italy at that time. She gave up her apartment, moved all the stuff across. Um, I had the nightclub. I was whitewater rafting. She was definitely in my frame. She took little odd jobs over there. And she had an MBA, mind you, but she didn't speak the language. Um, I supported her for the three years that we were there. Um, though she did go back to uh, Netherlands once for about eight weeks and waitressed. So we could get some extra cash over a particularly difficult time. So my point is that my my ex-wife was not a in any way, shape, a spendthrift or lazy. She was the opposite of that. She she look, she had many good points, which is why I was married to her for so long. Um, then we moved to Australia, and I got a job working in mining exploration. It, we got there in January 2011. It took till uh, July or August for her to get her partner visa through. So once again, I was supporting us. Uh, then she got her first job and she, she got a good job. And from her, for her, it went up, it went up there. Um, and then we left Perth after a couple of years and moved to Melbourne because uh, she didn't really like Perth at all. And I was quite happy to get out of it. I've never been a Perth fan. 
Uh, when we got to, I had to quit my job though to go. When we got to Melbourne, I couldn't initially find one, and she transferred across on her own job. So now the tables had turned. Now she was earning the money, and I wasn't. So what I did was I concentrated on finally finishing my first book, which I managed to get out uh, a little while later. Then I had a job, all good. But so this is kind of like the the arc of what was happening. And I'd approached, I approached the relationship as equals. Equal partners in a team together. So some, sometimes you're both pulling your weight the same. Sometimes one person is pulling more weight than the other. That worked when I was pulling more weight. It didn't work when she was pulling more weight just because of how women rationalize with the the, the rationalization hamster in their brain. But I didn't understand that at the time. So if we go back to this uh, post from uh, Deep Strength that I was quoting uh, about fearing your wife, and, I th- and, and it really clicked for me um, the first time that this happened when I started to fall into that trap, and it's definitely what happened. It's definitely what what happened, and I 100% uh, believe that it was one of the two major factors of why we ended up divorcing, that I started to fear my wife. The other one was, of course, because we had a secular marriage, so it's based on nothing. It's based on sand. So all good while things are going good, uh, but when the the rationalization hamster starts to you know go off in in the in the woman's brain then good luck mate you're fucked that's exactly what happened here so the moment and i can i can really identify it was when i discovered uh the bang and olufsen stereo uh turntable in a melbourne junk shop i'd taken the, the car in to get it serviced and uh, while waiting for it to be ready, I, there was a junk shop next to it in the center of Melbourne. It was huge. It was a cavern. And right down the back, up on a high shelf, I discovered the Bang & Olufsen uh, three-in-one turntable cassette player radio, exactly the same model that my father had had when I was growing up. So, um, you know, really, uh, really something that I wanted. I bought it. I can't remember. I think I, I paid... 250 I beat him down he wanted 350 or something like that uh, it didn't have a stylus on it and I located in I've spoken about this before but I located in the New York State the only company in the world that's making the stylus is still uh, that cost $200 but this was this would have been 2014 I think so that's over seven years that's seven years ago six, seven years ago, and the stylus is still running beautifully. Uh, and then I had to find a counterweight, uh, and I found that online. I think I picked it up for 30 euros or something. Uh, so all up, it cost me about 600 bucks Aussie um, to get this one up and running. And my ex-wife, when I got it, said to me, oh, all right, that's your birthday present. In other words, oh, and we were we were fine for money, like six hundred bucks 
wouldn't even scratch the sides. We were absolutely fine for money. 600 bucks was absolutely nothing. We would have spent that on average in a couple of weeks going out to dinner. So she said, that's your birthday present then. I think my birthday wasn't for another two or three months. And she'd had nothing to do with the, the purchase or anything like that. In other words, she was telling me that I had permission to buy that stereo and, and, and get all the parts that I needed for it. And I didn't correct her. I didn't put it in a place. I, uh, I meekly swallowed it. And I, th I can't remember if I was working at the time or not. I'm not sure. I think I was. I think we were both working. I think we had a dual income. Uh, I meekly swallowed that um, attack, which is what it was. Uh, not Actually, not an attack. It was a test. It was a shit test. Uh, for her to see if I was still holding firm in my frame as the man, uh, as as her guy. And I failed it uh, big time. And from that point on, for the rest of the relationship, the financial aspect was one of she gives the permission, I ask for permission, in a very subtle way, in a very, very subtle way. And that, that was the moment that I started to step into the process of fearing my wife. And I started to change my actions based on what she might think, which did indeed lead me down the road of attempting to make her happy. Which is a zero sum game, as 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 we know. Um, and so when I read that piece by Deep Strength, it really, really, really struck a chord with me. Um, here's the shitty thing, though. Like, you know the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I don't know if I'd had had if I'd had had this advice then and someone had spelt it all out for me I still don't know whether I would have been able to hold firm in the psychological situation in which I found myself I think that you can read a lot of stuff in books but at the end of the day, you've got to go out and fight your own battles. And in the moment of fighting your battle, just a word here or a word there, uh, a pause, a silence, a rushed attempt to fill an awkward space with words that only reveal your own weaknesses. These sort of things can only be learnt in the moment over time so where I am now as a man I would have been able to handle without any problem 
what she threw in my face on that particular moment. But back then, I didn't have it yet. And I don't think someone telling me or me reading about it would have helped in any way because it wouldn't have clicked. I wouldn't have been able to formulate it together. I think that books and advice and all of that sort of thing is really important and really helpful, but nothing beats getting out and fighting your own battles. And for me personally, my whole adult life, I've been on the back foot because of my childhood and the shit that I had to get over. It's, it's, it's not an excuse, it's just an observation of reality. I know what limitations I have as opposed by my environment in my formulative years. So, yeah, that article over there at Deep Strengths really hit me between the eyes as I flashbacked as such to this moment in time and remembered what had gone down and I'd never really thought about it before, but it was right there bubbling under the surface of my subconscious. Crazy how things can just be lifted out and uh, thrown in your own face by a few words. And in that case, the article really helps. But only when you already have the life experience to go with it. It's a tricky thing, finding your way, isn't it? It's very hard. It's very hard. And we take so many wrong turns and make so many false moves. But you've got to keep on plugging away. Like someone in their 80s or something like that, they've got a lot of scars there, even if they're not visible. A lot of shit that went down the wrong way. That's just the way it is. That's uh, how we rationalize as men with our own rationalization hamster. That's how we're able to keep going. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't be dead for quids. It's good to be a man, especially in this time with all of these challenges. We should all be rising to the occasion as such. Now we're in a time of pestilence, and if not pestilence, then economic uh, upheaval, or the two together, one caused by the other, whether or not the other exists or not. So it's all very interesting. Hey, lots of opportunity there, I think, kiddies. Shoutouts to Captain Capitalism, Mr. Aaron Clary over at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. He's got a new book out about millennials and it's called, is it, I keep forgetting what it's, the actual name of the title is. Um, it's called How Not to Become a Millennial. Um, and uh, it's, I've been reading it. I'm about one third through. And um, 
I'll have my review up on it in a few weeks, I think. It's worth buying for sure. I think Cappy's got some good work here. Personally, I think millennials are the new boomers. It's my own two cents on that one. Check out Cappy. Check out his books. Check out his podcast, Arsehole Consulting. Uh, all the stuff that he does. He's a huge supporter of mine uh, and a good all-round guy, though he needs to dress better. Um, check out my books, Pushing Rubber Downhill, subtitle A Journey to Manhood via Whitewood Adventures, and Run Guts Pull Cones, a rafting invention in Italian Alps. Once again, let me know in the comments, um, either on SoundCloud or uh, on the blog, what you think about me going down to the links, the podcast, and one decent article a week so I can spend more time on my book, more energy on that. Um, hope you enjoyed listening to this. Um, I hope you all stay nice and healthy over the next uh, period of time and also safe. Um, so tune in next week. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Ciao.